Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to A Thousand Tiny Steps. In this podcast, I share my stories of love, loss, triumphs, and tragedy as I continue to trace my steps backward and ponder what led to the death of my daughter, Molly. If you're ready to laugh, cry, shake your head in disbelief, or simply listen, and tie, buckle, slip on, or lace up your shoes, and join me as we begin our A Thousand Tiny Steps. Hey everybody, Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to episode 102 of A Thousand Tiny Steps. So in my new life as a podcaster, meaning I'm almost done with year two, I've started having some guests on my show and we had Libby a couple of weeks ago and that was like, Libby was my crash test dummy. So I'm hoping my interview with Jen, my guest today will be a little bit better and a little less Gabby on my part, although that is why God created editors. So my guest today is a woman named Jennifer Laney, and I've known Jennifer since 2011. We met in a CrossFit gym, White Mountain CrossFit, back when nobody knew what CrossFit was, and mostly women didn't know what it was either. CrossFit gyms were very heavily male-dominated in those days. And so when you went to the gym and there were women around, you quickly got to know one another. And Jen was one of the coaches, and quite honestly, she intimidated the crap out of me at the time, (laughs) because she could lift heavy weights and I'm having Jen as a guest today for two reasons. One, I really enjoy supporting women, especially women that have been a positive part of my life. And the other piece is she's, she's someone that's come in and out of my life. And as far as universal energy goes, I feel like the universe puts us where we're supposed to be. So y'all know I started yoga, which I hate a little less <laughs> than I used to. <laughs> and at one of my first yoga classes, the, the room empties out and there's this woman smiling at me from her, her spot in the corner. And it was Jen, who I haven't seen since forever. And so we started chatting and she shared with me some of the things she was doing, which is her business, The Get Better Girl. So I'm going to stop yapping right now and introduce Jennifer Laney. And Jen, I just really appreciate you being willing to come on the podcast. Well, Barb, I am just really thrilled to be here. And thank you for inviting me. Jim, Go ahead and tell me and my listeners who you are and how you ended up here. Well, like you, I was born and raised here in Concord. Then I went to St. Anselm College and I studied biology and I was pre-med actually at the time. So my goal had always been, you know, going through high school, I really had wanted to be a physician. So I'd always been sort of drawn to the medical field, to helping people. While I was in college, I got really sick. I was probably about 20. I started to have all of these female issues around my period, but then it started to evolve so that it was pretty much chronic. I started out by having really bad periods. I kind of always had that during high school, but it it got progressively worse so that by the time I was 20, I was just chronically having all of these lower stomach conditions, GI conditions, and I was in and out of the doctor's offices. They just couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I had a colonoscopy when I was 20. You know, all kinds of fun things that you really shouldn't have to be doing when you're 20 years old. And finally, I ended up in the emergency room and they did an emergency surgery, a laparoscopy, and discovered that I had really extensive endometriosis. And it was on my bowel. Uh, it It was really quite just very, very extensive, lots of lesions. And so it was quite a big operation. The thought from my my OBGYN and the surgeon, they felt like, oh, we got it all. It's going to be great. And within another year, it just had come back and it was worse. And so I ended up being a specialist down in Massachusetts, having another surgery. From my perspective now, understanding and knowing what I know, it all makes sense. But you know, all of the symptoms that I had really made it very difficult to be 
a strong pre-med student. I still did really well in school, but I was exhausted. And I should also say, like, I commuted to school and I worked three jobs while I was in college because I was sort of supporting myself. And I think it's also important to include that when I was 19, I met my ex-spouse and we moved in shortly thereafter. So he was six years older than me and I was living with him while I was in college. So there were a lot of different kinds of pressures on me as a young adult that maybe other young adults don't have. So when I graduated, I just felt like I need to take a year off. I'm so tired. I can't do more school. And that last year of school where I should have been studying for the MCATs and taking the test and, you know, applying to to med school, I, I just didn't have the energy or the wherewithal to do it. So I ended up getting a job as a pharmaceutical sales rep. My first job was in the veterinary field. So I did that for just over a year. And I had five states, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. I drove everywhere. Again, it was starting out early in the morning, working late into the evening every day. And I'm sharing this because it's a pattern, Right. right? That pattern of chronic busyness, go, 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 do, 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 you know, energizer bunny kind of energy is is kind of how I ran my life. Like I didn't stop. And it was, you know, like I said, like that all through college and then that first job. But again, I was really drawn to human medicine as opposed to veterinary medicine. So I got a job with a sales job with Glaxo Welcome and stayed there for another eight years, worked in the respiratory division. And I specialized in you know asthma, COPD and allergic issues. During that time, I I considered going back to medical school or, you know, applying, but sort of life happens, right? I got married and we bought a house and I had a child and it becomes more challenging to do that. And I think it's also important to note that I wasn't in a really supportive relationship. I was really supportive in the relationship, but my spouse was not really supportive. So he didn't support the idea of me going back to medical school because it would have been an inconvenience for him and it would have been an expense. And, and, you know, we called it the golden handcuffs too, in sort of the pharmaceutical industry, because I was a pretty young person making a lot of money. So it afforded us the ability to have a nice house, to be able to do nice things and go on vacations and, and not have to scrimp all the time. So, you know, my dreams sort of got put on hold. This can be so typical sometimes. This is such a such a standard woman story sometimes. Isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of sad. Fast forward now into my early 30s. I'm a little bored with the pharmaceutical industry. I'm not feeling like like I'm really reaching my potential. My daughter at that point was finishing up preschool, kind of going into kindergarten, and I decided that I was going to become a teacher. It turns out that at the time, there was a critical shortage of science teachers. And so even though I didn't have a certification or a degree in education, there's something called an Alt-5 in the state of New Hampshire. So it's an alternative certification where if a school will hire you as a teacher, you can earn your certification kind of like through a mentorship program. My mom is a teacher or was a teacher, and my sister and brother-in-law were teachers, my ex was a teacher. So I, I felt like I understood what it meant to be a teacher. <laughs> and so I got hired at Newmarket High School. It was a really exciting year. It was a big change oh, yeah. because 
you know, I was going from being a pharmaceutical sales rep, making a lot of money to being a teacher and a first year teacher. And actually I was technically a 50% teacher. And then I was a 50% IA or like classroom assistant. So I wasn't really making a lot of money. Yeah. I, I took, I took a, a huge paid pay cut, which as I'm sure you can imagine from what I've shared, you know, made things in my marriage tough, even a little bit more difficult. I think there was a lot of resentment from my ex over me doing something for myself. How dare you? Again, I'll, I'll sort of jump back and just sort of remind you that I was 19 when I met him. He was 25 or 26 at the time. So I was at a sort of a formative stage and I really didn't get to like develop my own identity or my own sense of self right. at the beginning of that relationship or in college, like I think most people have the opportunity to do, right? That was really squashed for me. Becoming a teacher was sort of that first step for me to start saying like, no, this isn't working for me. And this is really who I am. So I did it again, kept that pattern up of let's get up early in the morning and let's like roll right to bed because new market started early. It was an hour drive to work every day, an hour drive home. So I had to leave my house at six o'clock in the morning and then I'd roll through my day and it would be about 11 o'clock before I went to bed at night. So again, that same pattern of go, 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 busy, busy, busy. I did that at Newmarket for a year. I got my certification and then the universe came and helped me out, which I think it does when you. you're doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. And I got a job at Hockington High School. So I was a teacher for 13 years, 12 years at Hockington. I taught middle school and I taught high school biology there. It was great. So my daughter went to school in Hockington. And, and that was one of the reasons that I really wanted to become a teacher was because I was really committed to being a mom and to having time with my daughter. I only had one child. I wanted to have more, but that was not something that was going to be allowed in the marriage. And I did really want to be with Addie. So it was great. I got to drop her off at school in the morning. She'd get off the bus at, at the high school in the afternoon. Everybody at the school knew her. When she got into seventh grade, I got to be her teacher for a whole year. And it was just, it was really awesome. A couple years later, the endometriosis, I kind of shifted because I was still having symptoms of that. But then 15 years ago, when Addie was in third grade, something like that, I got really, really sick again, but I had new symptoms. You know, I had the fatigue like I had with the endometriosis, but didn't have all of that stomach GI lady problem kind of bloating and cramping. I started to have other things like, you know, in addition to the chronic fatigue and not being able to get out of bed in the morning, I started to bruise and my hair started falling out. I started to get cold, my hands and feet started to get really cold. And so I got, I got concerned. And eventually six months after six months, I, I went to the doctor and it took them some time to sort of figure out what was going on. But I was diagnosed with lupus when I was 35. So systemic lupus, and I got sent to a specialist. I got diagnosed in June and I didn't get to go to the specialist until November. So I continued to just get worse right. between the time that I was diagnosed and went to the specialist. And, I, and I'll just never forget this. I go into this specialist, this rheumatologist here in Concord, and you know the woman walks into the room. She's the most unpersonable doctor I've ever met in my life. She you know, asks what I've been doing. And so I had been doing some research and I had been taking some supplements because I felt like they might 
help, you know, based on some of the things that I read, she poo-pooed all that in a very unkind way, basically said, those are garbage. They're not doing anything for you. And by the way, you're going to have lupus for the rest of your life. We can't help you. You can't get better. You're going to be sick. You're going to get worse. We can manage the symptoms with these prescriptions. So she gave me a prescription for a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, like like an ibuprofen, but a little stronger. (laughs) And I was supposed to take that four times a day for the rest of my life. Your poor kidneys. (laughs) Yeah. And my liver. Yeah. (laughs) And then also she wanted to give me, I think it was hydroquinolone, which had some like really severe side effects. So having been someone that worked in the pharmaceutical industry, I read the whole package insert because I understood how to do that. I had been trained and I never filled that prescription. And I never, of course, took non-steroidal anti-inflammatories four times a day. That was, you know, a big turning point for me because I just, I couldn't at 35 with a 10 year old daughter, I couldn't look at a life. I was going to just get sicker and sicker and sicker. And I should mention that well, I wasn't doing CrossFit then. I was very physically active. I, I went to the gym a lot, or at least I, I tried to go to the gym a lot, but was right. not able. I had I had been not able to because I had been getting sicker and sicker and sicker. So I was putting on weight and not feeling good about myself. And that kind of created a lot of problems in my my marriage. I was an active person and I and I wanted to have sort of this full life and I wanted to be able to be around for my daughter and for myself, frankly. Right. Right. I didn't want to feel like shit for, you know, the remainder of my life at 35. I found a naturopath. I went in to see her. I was able to get in with her like right away. I didn't have to wait six months. The appointment was, it was like night and day. Oh, yeah. You know, she, she had this intake form that was so thorough, asked all these questions. They didn't really make a lot of sense to me at the time, but she sat and talked to me and asked me questions and wanted to sort of understand who I was and what my story was. And, and we did some testing, some functional lab testing yeah. back 15 years ago when she got all of the results back. I went back for my protocol meeting and, you know, I went on a cadre of supplementation. We changed my diet and lo and behold, I got better. Like miracle of miracles. You know, so lupus, you're going to have it for the rest of your life. You're never, ever going to be able to be healthy and get better it is really not an accurate diagnosis. And that's true for so many yes. diseases that people yes. get diagnosed with. Yes, I just read an article and it talked about medical ethics and it used diabetes as the example. Somebody goes and has type two diabetes. A doctor can cure you within weeks. Do these things, take these steps, this diet take these supplements and your diabetes is gone, or don't mention any of that and simply say, well, these medications will manage your numbers so you can continue to live your life. You have one doctor visit that is a hundred bucks for your doctor's visit and there's no prescriptions there. Or you have checkups twice a year, prescriptions for the next 25 years. Managing the symptoms makes the medical industry and the pharmaceutical industry thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And neither are considered unethical. The, The gist of this article was that Both of those fall under ethical treatment. Well, and the thing about that too is people have insurance. So they go to the doctor because they don't have to pay for it or all they have to pay for is their copay. And they pay a $5, $10 copay for their medications. They're just managing their symptoms. So they're going to, like you said, they're going to go home and keep eating the crap food and having the crap lifestyle. And they're going to get worse and worse and worse. But 
they're not going to necessarily feel worse and worse and worse right away because those medications, the prescriptions are going to, it's almost like masking it right there. Yes. It's, it's allowing them to have a crappy lifestyle right, right, and to continue what they were doing that got them sick in the first place. Let's create unhealthy food to make people sick. So they'll buy our pills to mask the symptoms, to keep them sick, to keep eating the food, to keep yep. the pills. Yeah. It's broken. Yeah. It's, our system is broken. People are making lots of money on our backs and we're, we're getting sick. Yeah. I think one of the important things to note about the time that I got really sick and diagnosed with the lupus, I moved out and separated from my ex. My marriage was never good, right. but it had gotten really bad and had gotten very verbally abusive. And then there was something that was physical, not to me, but you know, he got very angry about, I didn't want to have sex with him one night. And so he punched a hole in the wall. Jesus. Bye-bye. <laughs> uh, he was he was so pissed at me. And so he left to go on a gig and I packed myself and Addie up and we moved out. And I was gone for six months, but you know, he talked me into coming back because, oh, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. I'll change. Let's go to counseling, blah, blah, blah. And you know, he did all the things that he needed to do for a window of time yes. to get me back into the house. Yeah. I think the stress of my lifestyle and the stress of what was going on in my life yeah. really precipitated why I got sick right. with right. the lupus, you know? And I think looking back, hindsight is 2020. Part of the reason that I got sick with endometriosis at age 20 was also the lifestyle and stress that I was continually under even at that age. So I did end up back with him. It was okay for a while, but then got right back into that cycle of being yeah. very unhappy and feeling very, I almost want to say squashed mm -hmm. in my marriage and my relationship. Like I wasn't really an important part of the marriage. It was really all about him. And Addie, our daughter, wasn't really a priority for him either. So he got really jealous because I focused a lot of attention on her and he just really, he just couldn't stand that. So, Jeez. so it was broken. This was about the time, like shortly after I went to the naturopath and I started to get better, I found CrossFit yeah. and I happened to find it. I was working out at the Y. I was really committed to being fit and being healthy, but I was looking for something like I was tired of just getting on the elliptical and lifting free weights and doing Nautilus, like something, something else. And I was reading like a muscle and fitness magazine and they did this article on CrossFit and they had a CrossFit workout in there. And I read that article and I just knew like, that is my thing like yeah. right there. I went to the Y the next day and I did the workout as best as I could based on what they had. And then I started following the CrossFit page where they had workouts. So, you know, I was that crazy girl at the Y doing CrossFit workouts. I mean, people thought I was insane. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I did that for like four or five months. And then I, I signed up for CrossFit coaching. We, I didn't even know we had a CrossFit gym in Concord at the time, but I was like, I'm going to get my certification. I'm going to open a CrossFit gym. And I happened to be talking to someone who knew the owner of Way Mountain CrossFit at the time. And she's like, no, I think there's one that just opened. I reached out to the owner and I was like, hey, here's my life story. Yeah. <laughs> I just found CrossFit. I think it's amazing. It's changed my life. I'm going to be getting my certification in October. I'm a teacher. I have no money. Can I come and be at your gym for free and 
trade coaching when I get my certification. And so that's how I got into CrossFit. Wow. Yeah. I met with John Farrell's the owner and I drove up and I met him and he's like, yeah, CrossFit changed my life too. I totally get it. You can come work out here and we'll see where it takes us. And, and I ended up coaching there for eight years after that Yeah, and loved it. And it, and it really changed my life and it changed my life, not just because it made me physically stronger, but it really made me mentally and emotionally stronger. And in that succession of doing things for Jen that filled my cup, that made me feel like I was doing something that was just for me. Yes. Put your oxygen on first. That analogy is just so poignant to me. And this was you putting on your oxygen. Like this is my oxygen, which will make me better able to help you with yours. Yeah. Good for you. Which I'm sure as you can imagine, didn't go over really well. No. No, he was super jealous. Didn't like me talking to other men. It was maybe eight months, 10 months after I started at CrossFit, he decided he had to join the CrossFit gym too, so that he could be there to, to watch me. He would have never said, I'm going there to watch you, but you know, I'm just, oh, this is the story. I love this. Well, you're just there so much. I feel like the only way I get to spend any time with you is if I come to see you there. You know, it had nothing to do with the fact that he was a full-time teacher and a working musician and took every gig that he possibly could to be out of the house. So he didn't have to cut back on his schedule. It was me. I was the problem. Yes, of course. Yeah. The picture I'm trying to paint here is that not only did I lead a very busy lifestyle, but then I also had this other part, this monkey on my back, (laughs) so to speak. Right. It was like, is he going to fly off the handle? And yeah. And what's going to make him upset? I, you know, so when I was at home, I, I always felt like I was walking on eggshells. So again, that, that creates a lot of emotional stress that just adds to that whole stress burden. When you're a chronic um, fight or flight, you're never, ever okay. Staying busy, what a great way to hide. I'm the same way. I'm listening to you talk and I am I can resonate with all of it. And yeah. being busy keeps me from thinking about bad things. So if I'm busy yeah. with what I love, then I'm just happy and busy with what I love. Yeah. Once I found CrossFit, it was like, oh, I can fill my life up with this between you know, school and Addy and CrossFit, like I don't have to be home or if I am home, I'm busy doing things. Like I don't, I didn't have to stop and take stock of what was going on in my life. And I I knew I was really unhappy and, and he was unhappy too. There's two sides to every story. And I'm not going to say that I was perfect, but I tried really hard because I wanted my marriage to work as unhappy as I was. I felt like I wanted to give my daughter that. My parents were divorced and I didn't want her to have to grow up in a divorced household. So I really, I really hung on to the marriage and probably shouldn't have, but I did. Right. Where's my lupus at this point? Well, I had it controlled mostly, really dialed in on my diet. I was exercising a lot. I think that really helped with my vital reserve. I like to think about vital reserve as sort of like your bucket. Right. right. Everybody has this bucket of health. There's so much that you can sort of fill up bad stuff in your bucket. And if you if you have some more space in your bucket or you have a bigger bucket, you can kind of pile on more stress or more bad food. But I was chronically going into to flares with lupus Yes. Um, because, again, because I wasn't doing all the other things that I needed to be doing. Like diet and exercise are great, but they're only two parts of the puzzle, right? You know, sleep is important and stress management is important. 
And those were two things that I was really neglecting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was constantly sick with respiratory infections, which, which makes sense, right? As a teacher, every germ that's oh, yeah. around comes <laughs> yeah. into your classroom. Yeah. And so, you know, like from October till the end of April, beginning of May, I would just be getting sick all the time. And I'd have a really hard time getting healthy again. I would end up being on a couple of courses of antibiotics, usually by the time Christmas break rolled around. And by the time Christmas rolled around, I was so exhausted and so sick that I usually had to take the whole Christmas vacation to just rest and sleep. So when you don't take the time to do it, your body will force you. Oh, yes, it it. does. (laughs) Yeah. So I would rest and I would go back to school in January. I'd feel better. And then I would just do the same thing again and be really sick and be on antibiotics. And every time I took an antibiotic, I would get a yeast infection. So I had gotten to the point where when I got a prescription for an antibiotic, I would also get a prescription for Diflucan, which is an antifungal. So I was just constantly, like we kind of talked about managing my symptoms, right? I was, but we, we weren't uncovering like, well, like no one was asking, why are you getting sick like this every year? You know, why are you having to go on six or eight courses of antibiotics, which is not healthy by any stretch of the imagination, right? It it kills your, your gut microflora. I continued like that right up until my early forties and didn't really think anything of it because if you looked at me 10 years ago, you know, if you saw a picture of me, you would have thought, well, that woman is the picture of health. You know, I was the fittest I've ever been and the strongest, the thinnest. I was still unhealthy and I was so unhappy. I was just miserable. And I was really just living my life like a CrossFit chipper. So if you know anything about CrossFit, right, a chipper is just this big workout that has tons of stuff in it. And you just like, knock things off. And that's what I did every day. And I stayed in that cycle until 2014. I found out my my husband was was having an affair. He was cheating on me, but he wouldn't leave. He didn't leave right away. We <laughs> worked on the marriage again. Yeah. Cause, because here I am, I'm like, how can I fix this? What can I do? And we went to counseling and it was one of those, like he sat there and blamed everything on me. And uh, <laughs> Again, it just perpetually got yeah. worse and worse and worse until finally he did leave in February of 2015 and kind of left us, like left us high and dry to take care of cleaning up the house and selling the house. And then I had to find a place for Addie and I to live, you know, and thank God for family and friends. And Barb, you were one of the people that helped me during that time. And yeah, we've got the moving uh, truck and moved a bunch of stuff into storage. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, you'll probably remember like the state I was emotionally in at that point. So for someone Uh, as an observer of you, I often thought you weren't always super talkative. So of course me being insecure, I'm like, oh, she doesn't like me. But listening to you talk, probably what you were thinking is I feel like shit. It's all I can do to go through the motions of being here. I need to put a smile on my face because I'm coaching this class. So all your energy is into doing what you need to do. So something as easy as a spontaneous conversation is torture. And I'm as talkative as can be. So I just look, I look back on those times you know, then you and I, I did my first CrossFit comp with you and that was like the best weekend ever. And so it was a whole different side of Jen, you know, like the CrossFit Mm -hmm. comp, Jen, as you talk, and I'm remembering these times, I remember your ex coming to the gym and stretching with him sometimes and chatting away. (laughs) Some of those conversations make more sense to me now as someone that didn't understand any of this or know any of this about you and wasn't even in a place to necessarily pay attention to it, which is most of the world, because we don't think Mm -hmm. in terms of whole health, 
I would look back on it now and I think I would redefine you as just completely preoccupied with how crappy you feel and everything you need to do to maintain balance. You don't have time for the spontaneous joy of life. It's why I didn't go out and get shit faced in college. You're too sick. It's why all makes sense. When you're so busy holding it together, there is no time for anything else. Well, and it was also, I didn't tell anybody. No. I never told anybody what was going on. No one in my family, none of my friends. I kept everything bottled up inside. I was like a clam. You know, what you point out is that if, if I had to have conversations with people, it meant that I might have to open up. I might have to share details. So not having conversations or keeping things very strictly, like we're talking about CrossFit right now, you know, we're, we're working. That helped me cope right. because I think I was a little embarrassed. I felt like a failure in my marriage and I felt fat and I know it's ridiculous. You know, if you look at pictures, if I look at pictures of me 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I'm like, oh, I was not fat, but I had it in my head because of negative feedback from my ex about my physical looks and body that I was imperfect. And so I didn't have a great pregnancy and I put on a lot of weight and I ended up on bed rest. Oh. So I was on bed rest at 20 weeks. I gained like 85 pounds. I was retaining water. My ankles were huge. I didn't look good. And I know that like some women glow. I did not. <laughs> I really have. And I still to this day have a lot of angst over my body image. No, I think most people would look at me and go, she looks perfectly normal. And I look at myself right now and I'm like, well, I'm fat and I need to lose 30 pounds. Right, right. Yeah. I fall into that <laughs> and there's nothing fat about me ever. I'm the no. heaviest. I mean, I got really, really heavy after Molly died, but even still, I look at pictures in terms of like sort of average women my age, but in my head, and it's the same thing. We hold on to the negative. When you always feel like you're trying to come from behind, so you're battling illness or- you know, for me, I had some abuse in my childhood. So you always feel like you're trying to catch up just to be on the same level as everyone yeah. else. The insults are huge because you just believe them. Well, that must be yeah. true because. Well, my, my, yeah, my ex had me believing that like no one was ever going to love me. So I better stay with him because if I didn't, I was going to be kind of SOL, right? I was not a really lovable person. Physically, I wasn't attractive. Like I said, there was a lot of emotional yeah. abuse that went on. You know, and when he left, it was, it was super stressful and it was a really hard time, but it was also a huge turning point in my life and, and turns out to be a blessing in disguise. I mean, I was terrified. I had never lived by myself. I moved in with him right from my parents' house. I'd never had my own place. I was really scared. Yeah, I bet. And I didn't even really know who I was at that point because I had right. always just been his wife never kind of had my own identity. And so that was when I really got to discover who I was. And it was like, I don't know, once I sold the house and was able to, you know, we had a place to live and things kind of settled down. I was able to sort of grow into the person that I was really supposed to be. And I will just never forget, like I laughed again. I hadn't laughed in years. And my mom had said, this is the gen that we all love and know, like the, the gen from when she was 18 years old yes. Yes. in high school and all of a sudden she disappeared and this other person evolved. I, right. I don't know who she was, but you know, the last eight years have not been easy, but I'm also so much happier right. than I ever was in all of those other years. And yeah. 
you know, kind of feel sad in some ways that I squandered and wasted all of that time right. with that person. Yeah. I get it. Oh, I don't even, I don't even have a response for that because I understand that feeling so much in looking yeah. back. It's like, why, why, you know, I met you sort of in the tail end of that part of your life, 2011 to like 2015. And then our path separated again. So talk to me a little bit about your professional life. You were a teacher for a long time and teachers don't make money, but it's a very stable existence. You have good benefits and summer's off and it can be, it can be a way of life that people do for a long, long time, simply because of that aspect of it. I remember what I knew of you from CrossFit, but you're unencumbered now of the burden that is that guy. Tell me about that, Jen. Yeah. So I continued to teach. I still really liked it, but a lot of the reason I wanted to go into teaching, well, I wanted to feel like I was doing something important and valuable and giving back. And I had really lost any of that in pharmaceutical sales. And, and the same thing kind of started to happen for me towards the talent of teaching. I was just feeling a little bored with it. Yep. And I was feeling like there's something more, there's something yep. else I'm supposed to be doing. And yep. it's really in health and fitness just sort of happened through knowing people to kind of come across this franchise that I thought was going to be a really great opportunity for me. It really fit. I felt like it, it fit who I was really perfectly. It was fitness. It was working with kids. It was going to let me be an entrepreneur and work for myself. The divorce was very contentious and very expensive. And I lost a lot of my retirement in that. So I also felt like if I stay in teaching, I'm not going to have this opportunity to kind of build up uh, some savings for myself for the future, right? To have something like a nest egg. Right. And I just felt like this opportunity just felt right. It felt good. And so when my daughter was a senior in high school, I, I invested in this opportunity. When she graduated, I, I sold my condo. I packed up my life and I moved across the country. I moved to Florida to open this business because I hate being cold, by the way. I don't love. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I don't love cold. And so I thought Florida, I liked Florida. Every time I went to vacation there, I was like, this is great. I love it here. I had an opportunity to live in my uncle's house and kind of fix it up for no rent. So it was like a a win-win again. It was one of those things where I was like, oh yeah, the universe is, yep. is pushing me in this direction. It feels right. That was the summer of 2018 that I moved down there. But by the fall of 2019, it was clear that business was not going to do well where it was. I don't think it was necessarily the business itself. It was just the location was just wrong. The people, the environment, the community was very different than it was up here. And the community down there just didn't support it. And despite all of my best efforts, it just, it failed. And it was devastating to say the least. I felt like a huge failure. And what made it worse was I, you know, had to move back up here and move in with my parents. <laughs> it's just not really what you want to do no. when, you know, you're, I don't know, 47 years old. It's not like the ideal situation. And I had to file for bankruptcy really kind of financially lost everything that I had. Like I had savings left and I invested it because I really believed that this was the direction that I was supposed to be going and it was good. And I lost it all. Right. So that was the fall of 2019. And then, you know, I got a job. I was getting myself back on my feet. And then, well, we all know what happened in 2020 is, is COVID hit. And I was still living with my parents and they went on a cruise and they went on one of those ill-fated cruises that got quarantined. Oh. And I was living with them and Addie was off at 
college and sort of everything kind of transpired in this perfect storm. It happened all in one weekend. They finally found out they were coming home. They had been stuck on the cruise ship. They had been stuck on this army base for weeks. And then they were coming home and they had to be quarantined. So I couldn't live with them. Addie's college was closing. She couldn't stay on campus and she couldn't come live with me there, but we had to have someplace to live. So this was like a Saturday morning. And by Sunday, I had found an apartment for us. I moved in by Wednesday and then Thursday, she joined me. I mean, it was like a crazy whirlwind of a week in March. And then like a month later, I got a tick bite and it turns out I got Lyme. And I think it's important just to note that like right up until that point, despite everything that was happening, I was still kind of maintaining that same level of health and fitness. I wasn't as lean. I wasn't working out as much, but I was still pretty committed to eating healthy. And I was, I was doing okay. I was still getting sick and, you know, doing that thing, but getting Lyme was like the tipping point for me. That's what overfilled my bucket. And I was, you know, I wasn't able for a long time to get that space back in my bucket. That was April. I got the tick bite. And in June, I finally went to the doctor and so it took me a couple of months because I didn't really think that I had Lyme. So I ended up on a, an extended dose of doxycycline yep. because I was sicker than I had been in a long time. I went into a terrible lupus flare that just kind of went oh. on for, for two years after that. That dose of doxycycline or that round of doxycycline gave me a yeast infection that I wasn't ever able to get rid of, or at least like it basically hung on for two years. Oh. It was pretty horrible. Oh. Can't imagine. You know, from June of 2020, I get sick with Lyme and I just sort of downhill spiral physically from there. And to the to the point where it's two years later, last summer, I just I was 49. I felt like I was living in an 80-year-old body. I didn't know what to do anymore. The doctors were like, hmm, you know, your right. lab results are normal. Yeah, you've got the lupus, but you refuse to take the medication. So, you know, there's really nothing that we can do for you. And you know, I mean, the symptoms were, were just beyond terrible. I had never had fatigue so bad. I could sleep for 10 hours and still just not get up in the morning. Like I, I would drag myself through my entire day. I was working from home, thank goodness, because I think if I had had to go into an office, I just don't think I would have been able to do it. Right. Uh, and people didn't really know. Right. Uh, I wasn't, I was really not exercising like I wanted to. And you know, for me, like when exercise goes out the window, some of that diet goes out the window. So I started right. falling into bad habits yep. and I started yep. gaining weight and started, you know, drinking a little bit more because I felt lousy, you know, because it's like, well, that's going to help. But, you know, of course it doesn't. And I, and I knew better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, in addition to the fatigue and all of the other symptoms that like the bruising that I had had before, my hair was falling out, my eyebrows were falling out. I had never been so cold in my life. I started to have all these GI symptoms. And then I had itching all over my body. My entire body was itchy. Every time I ate something, I would bloat up. I would get cramping, constipation, diarrhea. Like I just, it was, it was like constant. So I'm 49 and I'm like ready to give up. That's where I was at last summer. I was like, I'm done. I spent the summer trying to lose weight because I had gotten to the point too, where even if I was exercising like crazy and as sick as I was, I was forcing myself to, to exercise twice a day. I was counting macros. I was calorie restricting. Like I was doing everything right. Yeah. And I kept putting on weight. And then I went to my OB. Here's what she says to me. She says, yeah, you know, you're 49. It's normal at your age. I'm so tired and of that answer. 
Oh. And, and what I know now is like, just because something is common doesn't mean it's normal, but mm-hmm. I didn't really know that then. So I'm just feeling hopeless and discouraged the end of summer last year. And I just didn't know what to do. And I happened to come across this training about FDN, functional diagnostic nutrition, which is what I ended up doing. And what I learned is that through the training, I could also do all the functional lab testing, get a practitioner that would work with me. And like, you get to test on yourself to see that their system actually works. You're doing it as you're learning it. So I was like, okay, I'm sold. I'm signing up. This is end of August, beginning of September. I signed up for the class. And in October, I got laid off (laughs) from my job. So my plan had always been when I started the course, I was like, I figured it would take me about 10 months to a year. That's what it typically takes people to get through. And then it would be like a side hustle. Like I'm going to keep my other job, which was actually in the alternative medicine space. So I was working with practitioners. It was October paying for this class that I can't really afford, (laughs) but I'm also at that point realizing like I had started to learn things and it was like a light bulb moment. Like the first thing you learn about is stress and how stress affects all of the systems of your body. And there's some very specific mechanisms by which that happens. But it was like, oh my God, like I've been sick for 30 years and I've been making myself sick. Even when I was eating healthy and exercising, like I should be chronic stress that I was putting myself under. Those are all things that were making me sick. And so I got a severance package. I had some money in savings and I felt like this is the universe telling me this is what you need to be focused on right now for yourself, for your health, but also because there are so many other people out there just like you who don't understand that what they're doing isn't making them And they're in that same place you were. They're discouraged. They're hopeless. They're frustrated. They don't know what to do. And so I'm feeling like the universe is telling me, this is my job. You're going to be a full-time student. And that's what I did. I just, I work my ass off to get through my certification and to study. And at the same time, work on setting up my practice so that when I graduated in January, I was ready like two days later to launch my business. And I continue to feel like, the universe is pushing me to really focus on this. Every time I'm like, oh, the money is running out. I'm not going to have enough money to live. Something happens. I get a tax return or I'm, I sold my Peloton and the woman gave me an extra hundred dollars. I mean, you would think like not big things, but things that are just enough to make you feel okay. Yeah. See, see, keep pushing, keep moving forward because I have to say that doing FDN has changed my life having the functional lab testing and actually understanding like what's going on in my body. Like, oh my God, what an eye-opening moment that was for me to realize all of these imbalances were in my body that I was sort of creating through my lifestyle. Not having a full-time job and, you know, being a full-time student and working was stressful, right? It was stressful to be on unemployment and to- Chronic worry, (laughs) chronic worry. But I was also able to really slow down. Yeah. Like I was able to take that step back and be like, okay, I need to do something different. So I started going to hot yoga. I started taking time to meditate. I slept. Like if I needed 10 hours of sleep, I did it. 
because I could. I took the opportunity to not only finish the program and get my business set up, but I also used that time to really focus on myself and to get myself in a place of healing so that I can help other people do that. You're somebody that's done a ton of self-examination. You have a scientific background. You worked in pharmaceuticals. You get a diagnosis. It's horrifying and you don't like the medicine. So rather than just take it, you research and research and learn and study. And you find that certain supplements and foods heal you. And you have a measure of health, although you're never quite healthy. And then you go through this sort of similar cycle a couple of more times until you find what you're doing now. It took you all of those tries and fails to see it. Like I don't have an autoimmune disorder. Now I've been sick my whole life. I'm a chronic asthmatic. I've been hospitalized and medicated and stuck with pins and taken pills. I've done it all to manage the asthma. My asthma was best managed following a macrobiotic diet, which I couldn't stick with because I didn't like 90% of the food I was eating. But it taught me that what I put into my body absolutely affects how my body functions. Any one of my listeners who are listening who don't have the understanding you have around an autoimmune disorder and also being a female patient with unfixable, unfixable illness, that's the most frustrating place to be in the medical world. I just want to give you kudos, first of all, for being willing to keep coming back and saying, okay, this isn't working. I need to try something different. And then making it available for someone like me who, you know, I'm just beat my head against the wall one more time. This time it might work. We just, you know, keep doing the same things. And and you talk about, I'm listening to you and you did, you went to a naturopath, you did all these things and still were managing to do things in your life that weren't helping you. And I know for me, I've, I've made a million healthy changes and sometimes some of those healthy changes, maybe they're healthy, but not for me. So I think I'm doing all the right things and I'm, and I'm not. And so it can get overwhelming sometimes. So when I first heard you that was in yoga class and you announced it, we're opening your business. So I was in, I was curious right away. And what got me there was like with you, you get to a point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. And so that was sort of why I called you like, all right, look, I'm at a point I can't fix this and it's never going to get fixed. So I just, I need to do something. Explain what what information you get from these tests that you could never get at your physician's office for your yearly physical? Yeah. So I want to know everything. I want my clients to be as open as possible with me. So what symptoms are you having? How are you feeling? What is this interfering with in your life? What is this keeping you from doing? What have you tried that hasn't worked? Is there anything in your life or anyone in your life that will keep you from completing a health rebuilding program? Like, Anyone that signs up to work with me really needs to be committed and ready to do this program. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not like when you get a prescription to manage a symptom and the symptom kind of goes away, right? It can take weeks or months for symptoms to go away. But when they go away, they go away because you're allowing your body to heal. In the healing phase, I always ask people to give up processed foods. And then they have to commit to doing some of the lifestyle things. Like, you know, if you're, if you are perpetually stressed, We've got to talk about how you can slow down and find ways for you to get out of fight or flight and into the parasympathetic. And so people have to be willing to do that. I'll order all the lab tests. Everything comes to your house as you experienced. You do pretty much everything on your own, send it back in, and then I get the results. I go through every single marker that we test for, and I explain what we were testing, what we found, how it correlates to the symptoms that someone is having. And, you know, why this is a healing opportunity and what we're going to do to fix it. It's not like one of those 
things where you go in, the doctor's like, yeah, you're out of range. And so here's a pill, right? We Everything is explained very, very carefully. So I'm going to hone in a little bit on the testing. So I just had my physical and you get your blood work. So my doctor calls me and says, ah, oh, you're in range everywhere. The three that are out of range aren't a worry. White blood cells low, so you're fighting something, but don't worry about it. Your cholesterol, your bad cholesterol number is high, but your ratio is great and your overall number is under 200, so you're fine. Click. You know, and I'm looking at my blood work and I'm seeing that I'm going down in certain areas. I'm still in the green, but I'm closer to not being in the green than I used to be. For those of you listening, I got all these great boxes in the mail, right? I sign up with Jen, we have our intake and they start to arrive, these packages in the mail. And I have to spit into a thing all day and not drink coffee. I had Gracie cut some hair off in the back of my hair and we cut the uncolored part and put it in an envelope and mailed it away. And I had to pee on a card and then have blood drawn. And then the best of all, a poop sample, which I've done in my life. But tell me, what did these things tell you about me that I can't get just by going to the doctors and having my blood drawn? It is a big question. And without getting too scientific, I'll yeah. kind of keep it a little bit more generic. Yep. The whole idea is we're looking at the functional lab tests that are sort of the foundational tests that I use, look at the hormones, immune system, digestive system, the detoxification system, energy production systems and the nervous system. And we also look at oxidative stress. Those things together, they tell us a lot about what's going on inside your body and the different systems. And we can tell things like, do you have liver congestion? Do you have a leaky gut? Do you have you know, too much bad bacteria? Do you have some infections that are causing problems? Basically what it does is it tells us sort of root causes of why you're feeling sick. We may never be able to hone in on the exact root cause of, like, I don't know the exact root cause of my lupus, but I know that X, Y, and Z are all out of balance. And when things in our body are out of balance, it tips other parts of our bodies out of balance. Because the important thing that I think is really lost in Western medicine, that functional medicine or functional health coaching really addresses is that our bodies are not like these individual parts and systems. They are these intricate puzzles that work together so that when something goes awry in one spot, it's going to make things imbalanced in other spots. And it may not happen right away. You know, the other thing too, that I think is important to remember is that anytime you have chronic issues, they don't really come on all at once. No, It takes time to build up. By the time you're actually feeling really shitty. It's been a long time. It's been a really long time. And you don't may not even remember the last time you felt good because as you get sicker and sicker, you just adjust to it. It becomes who you are. Yes. And, you know, It's like the frog in the boiling water. The water gets hotter slowly and the frog doesn't realize it's getting boiled to death because it's so slow. And suddenly, oh my gosh, this water is too Telling hot me. and I can't jump out anymore. The whole idea is that what we're doing is instead of just saying, you have X, here's a pill to control that symptom. We're looking at the systems and going, you know, you have some liver congestion, you have some leaky gut, you have this dysbiosis in your gut. We need to fix that and get that back into balance so your body can heal itself. And that's really the key. When you get a cut, what do you do? Well, you, maybe you clean it, put a little vasopressin on it, you put a Band-Aid on it, and that's kind of where it ends because your cells know how to heal the cut. Right. And we don't really think about it. It's just what happens. Well, your body can do that on the inside too. Your bodies are perfectly designed 
to heal itself. But the problem is those imbalances create roadblocks to healing. Yes. So when those roadblocks are in place, your body can't do the work of healing itself. So I can I can give you just a quick example to kind of go back to talking about chronic stress because that's really the precipitator for most people of, of things. When you're under chronic stress, your body is constantly trying to produce cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Cortisol is part of our evolutionary survival mechanism. So when there's a need for cortisol, your body preferences it because it's tied to survival. Your body doesn't really know the difference between running away from a bear and feeling stressed out at work. So when you're under chronic stress or when you're like someone like myself that spent the whole day, the entire day, creating a life of stress in order to run away from your life, right? Your body is just preferencing cortisol. Your body will put all its energy into making cortisol so that it will take energy away from your sex hormones, from digestion, from your immune system. And then all of a sudden you're getting sick all the time. You're having digestive issues. You've got a low libido. You've got brain fog. You start to get all of these trickle down effects because your body isn't making the things that it's supposed to because it's like, I got to make cortisol. I got to make right. cortisol. What we're trying to do is stop that stress response so that you're not under that chronic stress. So you can get out of fight or flight and get into parasympathetic or rest and digest to get to a place where you can heal Yes. so that your body can do the work that it's perfectly designed yes. to do. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. instead of just treating a symptom, we're kind of working with your body to heal itself so that you can right. get back to a place of wellness. Right. We went over all of my lab results and you'll remember this. We went through everything. So for those of you who've been keep up with me, I've been doing the get better girl and then the 75 hard, which is something I added in on my own because I needed to, you know, distract myself and be busy with a million different tasks all day. <laughs> you know, I'm getting there. But one thing that uh, sort of a byproduct of this is I've had to build in a, a bunch of downtime because I can't work out twice a day. When Jen and I were going through my results, you know, I needed to do grounding. I needed to get outside and touch the earth and get in the ocean and just connect with nature in a way that centers our bodies and and works on electromagnetic levels to, to synthesize and balance us. And that didn't surprise me. I needed to change a whole bunch of dietary habits and that didn't surprise me. I needed to increase hydration. Nothing surprised me. What surprised me was that, although I have to say it, ultimately it didn't, is Jen says to me, you know, CrossFit's not really the right thing for you right now. You need to do like walks and <laughs> yoga. I'll be honest. I was like, well, fuck you, Jen. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do because <laughs> ah, because my workouts sometimes are my sanity. But I thought a lot about it and I started to really think back to my workouts and, and I've been working my ass off and just not getting any better. Injuries come back and I feel like I'm, I'm not getting stronger. I'm like my weight amounts have stayed stagnant since Jack was born. And in some areas, I feel like I'm going backwards. And so for me, it was adrenal fatigue, which means, you know, I have a dead kid. So talk about shooting out all sorts of cortisol months and months and months. And, and that's just the dead kid piece. There's still all the rest of my crazy life. And so when I really sort of acquiesced to this and thought, okay, fine, you know, I'll do this. It was difficult, but it didn't take long, Jen, and everyone listening for me to start to see, oh, oh, I get it now. Like, I understand, like, you know, we want quick results with our habits and the get better girl isn't a quick fix. I feel it's going to be a forever fix on a multitude of levels. Not that I won't fuck up or whatever. And, you know, that's just human nature. I'm going to have an ice cream cone again one day, and I'm sure I'll have a cocktail with dinner again one day. But right now, just giving myself the chance to just see like, you know what, 
three months. For three months, I can do whatever I'm told to get a whole bunch of new information to look at how the next three months will go. It wasn't just change how you eat. It was change how you think and change how you love yourself and change how you move. And they're not bad changes. You know, I get a little bit emotional about it because I fight sometimes so hard to hold on to what I think is right. I just want to keep it the same, keep it the same. And this process is, it's getting this girl better on a million different levels. It's not just the cellular level, which of course is the basis of all of it. But has it, was it that way for you? Oh, it's been extremely eye-opening for me in that way too. Yeah. I've had to kind of learn all kinds of new things. The diet piece was pretty easy for me because it was something that I kind of went back to doing something that was very similar to what I had been doing before. Yeah, so so that was same here. I had, I had been really dialed in before I knew what that looked like. I knew what it felt like. I knew how, felt, how good I felt when I was there. That piece was, was not the challenging piece, but slowing down, looking at my life, oh. taking stock, exercising differently, you know, understanding that like for me right now, like I can't even CrossFit. It's just not where I'm at in my healing right now. And I had to come to grips with the fact that that's okay, that I'm defined by more than just Jen, the CrossFitter. It's all of that mindset about, I don't know, that self-acceptance. And it's a tough place to be, I think, when when you're not real happy with yourself, right? right? That right. To step back and take a look at the things that I'm doing to contribute to my own unwellness. Yes. When you go to the doctor, that's you're never forced to do that. Like we talked about that diabetes patient, that type 2 diabetes patient that goes in and just gets the prescription to manage the symptoms. No one is asking that person to say, hey, here are the behaviors that you're doing that are contributing to you being sick. You know, and, and for me to have to stop and understand, like, you're addicted to stress. I'm a type A person and I have to work really hard to be less type A. <laughs> oh, same here. Uh, Very much so. And it's it's a struggle. It's a constant struggle. But I also understand now that in order for me to continue to get well and to stay well and, and into 80, 90, as many years as I can possibly live, like I can't let that take over my life again, right. like I did before. You know, when I meet with clients for our weekly or biweekly meetings, it isn't just like, hey, how is your diet going? Because that's an important piece. One of the things about the diet is that I'm trying to teach people how to eat for life. So it's not really a diet. It's not restrictive in the way that you would think like, okay, we're going to do this for three months and then you're just going to go back to doing what you're doing. What we're trying to do is to teach you new habits during that time so that when we leave or when we stop working together, you're ready to kind of continue with something with a lifestyle that will work for you or your diet. We're trying to teach you that, but it's also all of that mindset stuff, like teaching people how to slow down during their day. Like if, you know, (sighs) like taking 10 minute breaks, getting up from your desk and breathing, or like you said, going out and putting your feet in the grass or going to lay on the floor for 10 minutes, anything to kind of get your body out of that fight or flight, that stress mode into parasympathetic and rest and digesting and practice it. You have to practice it. You have to keep doing it. It doesn't, just go away. There was a, a lot of self-reflection right. for me and a lot of understanding that I was sick because of what I, what I did. Right. So are you enjoying it? I mean, I know you're just new, probably just a small number of clients so far, but how is it for you so far? Do you like it? I love it. <laughs> I finally feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like it took me 
to be 50 years old to get to this place. But when I think about you know being in high school and wanting so badly to be in the medical field and to help people, I'm finally there. Yeah. I'm finally at a place where I feel like all of the things that I've done in my life have sort of helped me get to this place. So all of my teaching experience and my experience with pharmaceutical sales and my experience at CrossFit and, you know, doing the nutrition and working with people in that capacity and, and all of the failures that I've had have kind of brought me to this place. And as scary as it is to be kind of in this business, that's not right. Like you said, it's, it's a slow start. It's not like, you know, put up my Instagram page and my website and I had 20 clients. I mean, it's been pretty slow over the summer. I'll be honest. Not a lot of people want to work on their wellness over the summer. So it's scary, but it's also, I just know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And when I am working with a client or when I'm working on finding information for them, I just, I get lost. Yeah. Uh, and it's the good it's, kind of lost. It's the good kind of lost. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I just feel so fulfilled. Yeah. There's no better feeling than, you know, getting on a call with a client and having them say like you did, I feel so much better. Or, <laughs> you know, it's the first time in five years that my knees haven't hurt when I went for a walk, or I've finally been able to start losing weight. Right. It can be small things. So all of those small wins make me super happy. And I get done and I'm like, I'm giddy. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm a ways from there yet, but that's okay. I, you know, my life has been a journey. So I, I don't mind a few more peaks to have to go over to get where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, I started my healing protocol at the beginning of November of last year, and I've still got a ways to go. Right. You know, I'm, I'm leaps and bounds from where I was a year ago. Yeah. You know, I, I no longer feel like an 80 year old woman. I'm feeling back to like early forties woman, Yay. <laughs> which is great because I'm 50 and I, you know, I want to hang on to that. I want to, I just want to continue to get better because yeah. I think there's all this focus on having a long lifespan, but I want my health span yes. to match my yes. lifespan. I yes. want to be healthy. I don't, I don't want to be 72 years old and so sick that I can't enjoy my retirement or, you know, enjoy that phase in my life. I want to be vibrant yes. still at, at that age, you know? So it's a journey, right? It's, it's a continuum and it's, and it's kind of like exercising. You can't just exercise for a year and get to a place. You're like, okay, I'm physically fit. I'm strong. And then stop. It's something that you have to do right. forever. Yes. But you have to find something that you can live with. And that's yes. really what I'm trying to teach people. Because yeah. like you said, you are going to have a cocktail again. You are going to have an ice cream again. But how are you going to do that in a way that fits in with Correct. a healthy lifestyle and doesn't become yes. the everyday norm, that's which I right. think is what it is for most people? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I was I went out to dinner with my friends last night. So restaurant eating, it was my first time out with friends that were all going to have drinks and we're at a restaurant. And I look at the menu and there is nothing on there that I can order as is. So I ordered like an iceberg wedge you know, but no blue cheese, please, you know, and no dressing, please. I'll just have oil and vinegar. It was fine. And actually we, I had a wonderful conversation with my friends about it, but I had no desire to drink. And one of my friends, she and her husband are like going on a little drinking fast until they, they're going to Europe at the end of August and they just want to be healthy. Like, you know what? We're not drinking this summer. Let's just cut it out. And 
so people, I think we live in the general know, we live in the know that there are certain things that aren't good for us. And when we cut them out, we feel better. So something else you get with Jen is a list of foods that cause inflammation for you and avoid those for these 90 days. So I have this little card and it's yellow. I didn't have any foods in the red zone. So that was good. These random mix of foods in the yellow zone, strawberries, raspberries, pears, onions, mustard, sesame, like this random mix of things. It's amazing how much of those things are in things. You know, it's like, oh, I can, no, okay. You know, so it's just interesting to me, but I've taken it as like a, it's like a challenge. Like what else can I learn what I'm going through and all that sort of thing. One more comment for you about you. You were talking about how you get lost in what you're doing and you're just swept up in it and it's the best feeling. And there was a recent study done on infants, like one-year-olds and on trauma response and a healthy baby that's supported and loved and responded to and cared for in a normal way. You put like toys in front of them and they can just start playing and they lose themselves in the toys. They just lose themselves, right? They can go away and just be playing with the toys. Then you have somebody that's perhaps been in an environment that's stressful, witnessing anger or violence, or maybe left on their own for a while. And they reach out and then they look around and then they play a little more and then they stop and then they look around. So hypervigilance, they're constantly checking their environment. And then the unbelievably traumatized children won't even touch the toys. They just look at it. They look at it. They look around, they look away. They look at it. When I was watching this study, I thought, oh my gosh, I could just see so many aspects of my life, like where I was at different points in my life, based on how willing was I to pick up the toy, whatever the toy in my life was. Right. So listening to you say you got lost in it after listening to what you've gone through, it just eases my heart a little bit because there we are back to being that one-year-old baby that can happily play with the toys and not worry about getting yelled at about it or, you know, criticized for it, the walking on eggshells all the time. Well, I'm glad you went into this business because it's helping me. It's all about me, 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 right? (laughs) Well, I'm glad to be helping you. I mean, it's, I did want to comment on, you know, going out to eat because I think having it be your first experience, I don't know if you had this feeling, but for me, when I can kind of go out with people and they're eating whatever it is they're eating and I'm sticking to my plan. I find it very empowering. Oh, I did very much. So like I made it work, you know, cause I don't want to eating something not supposed to eat by mistake. Isn't failure. Right. But just deciding, Oh, whatever. I'm just going to order that because it's easy. You know, you're making a decision not to stick to it. So no, I feel the same way. I came home and I felt really, you know, Kenny's first question. So how'd it go? You know, (laughs) like it went fine. (laughs) You didn't drink. No, you know, and that's really the last thing I do. I mean, I've, I've struggled alcohol addiction my whole life. And so that's been the easiest part of this, quite honestly. It's paying attention to all the other details and managing the supplements. And I think I, I'm hoping this has been your experience too, as I know for me, it's, it's the case is like most of the time, like 95% of the time, I don't even want the bad junky food anymore. No, uh, I would agree because I don't miss it because I know how bad it's going to make me feel because I feel so good now. Yes. And when I do sort of cheat or treat is more of the way I like to think about it. Like if yeah. I have if I treat, I know I'm going to pay for it the yes. next day. Yes. And I'm going to feel lousy. Yeah. And it happens when you clean your body up and you clean your diet up, it happens really quickly. Yes. Because your body has these protective mechanisms when you're eating the junky food all the time. It's like kind of protecting you from how bad you're actually feeling. It's yes. so counterintuitive. You would yes. think it's the opposite, but once you stop eating it, your body stops having that protective mechanism. So then when you do eat it, you actually get sick like you're supposed to. Right, right. That's wonderful. Yeah. 
I mean, what, that's not wonderful. It is wonderful. You know, my, my glass of whole milk and sleeve of Fig Newtons and I'd read my book and eat the Fig Newtons and drink the milk and it would make me drowsy and off I'd go to sleep. That was like healthy, right? Yeah. But you know, the month of June, when I knew I was getting healthy, I had Fig Newtons every night. I'm going to eat them <laughs> until I can't, you know, like, <laughs> right. it's silly. So every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I could crave a Fig Newton, but there's no, there's as much an emotional attachment to that cookie as there is a physical addiction. So I think there's a lot of emotional attachment to that cookie. Oh yeah. Big time. (laughs) Big time. Food is just, is, is about so much more than just nourishment, right? There, there is so much tied to it culturally. We celebrate with food. We mourn with food. We placate ourselves with food when we're having a bad day we eat. Right. So, so some of what we do is we learn to just make food, food. Right. Right. I've never, ever had an eating disorder. I hate being hungry and I hate puking. And I love to exercise. I've always had a relatively healthy relationship with the role of food, but I have never really paid attention to the role of food like I am right now. How can people find you? Like, where are you on social media? If somebody wants to find the Get Better Girl, how do they do that? You can find me on Instagram at the Get Better Girl or on Facebook, the Get Better Girl. I have a website, thegetbettergirl.com. <laughs> do you see a you see a theme here? I do, uh, I do. I see I, a theme. You can drop me an email, thegetbettergirl at gmail.com. And actually, if you go to my website, you can find a link to book a discovery call. Nice. I will say I've had an easier time than some might in a challenge like this, but you know, it's, yeah. it's very, very doable. And someone like you, you're there to support and help with right. the decision-making and the implementation. So that'll- And I really hope that people, you know, who are listening kind of take from this, like they understand, like I've been there. Yes. I know what it feels like to be- sick and discouraged and hopeless and frustrated and basically on the point of giving up. Like people talk to me about what they're going through. I get it. Well, thank you, Jen, Jennifer Laney. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Barb. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. As always, be good to yourself. After you're good to yourself, be good to someone else. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening and for supporting the podcast. Feel free to leave a review and to share my stories with your friends please reach out with your own stories. I love connecting with my listeners. If you want to see what I'm up to next, you can find me on Instagram at barb underscore 444, on Facebook as Barb Higgins, and at my website, a thousandtinysteps.com. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter, a weekly way to find out what's up in the life of Barb Higgins.